What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Cycle 365. This is our mini-series on youth sports, our summer mini-series. And this is episode five. We're going to be doing burnout in youth sports. And with me, I got somebody who's a familiar voice, a familiar face, I guess you could say as well. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hey, you've heard me before. It's Cody Stoffer from the Cycle 365. And Simon asked me to join him on this mini episodes. So I'm going to take what I've learned from my coaching youth sport and athletes class, as well as sports psychology classes and stuff like that to try and bring a bit more of a, I guess, scholastic view on burnout and such like that. So yes, also he was a youth sport athlete. So he has that experience as well as that is true to a degree. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I didn't introduce myself, but I'm Simon Voyanos. Y'all should probably know that by now, but it is what it is. Um, so, yeah, we're going to do burnout in youth sports. This is a pretty, I wouldn't say super controversial, at least not as controversial as some of our past ones, like discrimination, uh, privilege, check those out. But this is one that's pretty common, and honestly, it spans over for everyone. You know, it could happen to anybody. It happened to me, you know, and I'll get into that. In a little bit and cody just so you know i don't know if you've listened to some of the other mini series episodes but for the sake of this mini series we're like classifying sports as basically just sports 18 and below which is pretty broad so, yeah yeah i i usually consider from like little little kids to high school is usually where i say youth sports ends that's and that's even yeah. like by definition kind of where youth sports ends too yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, okay, sounds good. So let's get into it. Since you're the one who took the class, why don't you uh, go ahead and define what burnouts are and how are they caused? Well, I, I appreciate that intro, seeing that I, I got my notes up here too, because they were open note tests <laughs> anyway. So no yeah. point in mislabeling it. But burnout by youth sport definition is a negative psychological and physical state in which an individual feels tired. And they're less able to perform well and become less interested in the activity. And there's a couple of things that go into burnout. Uh, some factors include overload. So that's that includes overtraining. That includes kids or youth athletes being overstressed about events. So if they're thinking about it too much. Or that also can include staleness. So, you know, just getting bored of the sport can cause overload, especially if you're doing it. I mean... I feel like a lot of youth sports are five to six days a week anyway, at least in my experience. And then there's also like what we call social climate factors. So that'd be your parents, that'd be bad coaching, that'd be like a lack of personal control because a a huge motivator for youth sport athletes is to try and obtain autonomy. And so if they're not in control of their youth sport experience to the degree that they enjoy it, then they're more likely to burn out. And then also just like, obviously everyone's different, you know? So like personality has a huge part to play in it. Some people just aren't, they're not sports kids, you know? And that that's okay. But th- those kids, because of their families or, you know, because of their friends, they end up kind of forced into sports and then they get stuck. So there's, there's a whole bunch of factors that go into burnout and... Yeah, that's kind of the X's and O's of burnout exactly. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're, I mean, that's 
all pretty much right. <laughs> like I said, burnout's a pretty like broad topic, I would say. You know, because there's a lot of ways that a kid could get burnt out. Personally, in my opinion, like I I got burnt out, you know, and there are a lot of reasons behind that, which I'll go ahead and get into. So I guess the first time, I don't know about you, Cody, but the first time I felt like should I say this? Like a sense of burnout, like a sense of just being Honestly, just feeling like I'm done with the sport, like I don't want to do it anymore. It was probably back in Texas. Um, I haven't really talked about how intense, you know, Texas football programs were. And honestly, I really only went through, well, maybe not only, but I went through most of the middle school circuit, which is in itself pretty tough. And so for those of you who don't know or didn't check out the second miniseries episode, I did say I'm from Plano, Texas, a little suburb right above Dallas, Texas. And Plano has always been one of the, I should say, how, how should I say? It's always been one of the historical football powerhouses in Texas. Like, they have around, like, six or seven state championships. That's a, honestly, like, in the 1900s, that's almost a state championship every decade, which is pretty great, you know, consistency-wise, which is insane. You know, they've always made the playoffs, and they have all this funding. They're, they've been sponsored by Nike for a really long time, and there's a reason behind that, because they're one of the powerhouses. Now, not like in Allen, Texas, which is where, you know, um, Desmond winner and Arizona Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray is from because they're even more insane. Their tradition is more recent and not as historical. But in Plano, like there's a there's a real tough tradition that honestly, I, I don't want to get too negative, you know. But I'll, I'll keep it real. Like it's a tradition that that you're not gonna break as an athlete. Like coaches themselves who are hired by Plano are not gonna break. Because this, that's, this is just how it is. It's been like this for over 100 years. We've had state championships. We have the rings to show off for the success. We have the NFL players to show off for our success. And we have the equipment and the money to show off for our su success. So that's why the this is the way the program is. But I remember middle school to start, we would start, oh my gosh. We would start at least the seventh grade usually most kids would in seventh grade there was no sixth grade football you usually played for your local sports league which is like there are a million in texas so that was easy but once you get to the seventh grade you know starting that first week of august weeks before school starts you start hitting training and like after school programs and it's one of those things where it's like yeah you know like it's voluntary but also it's not you know what i mean like you should go but if you don't, that's going to affect your playing time. Does that make sense? Yeah, we kind of, we had the same thing, but that was at the high school level, you know, like, yeah, like it, here in Colorado, at least in my experience in Arapahoe County and Centennial, we had, we had the leagues, like what you were talking about for sixth grade. We had that for six through eight. Really? Mm -hmm. oh, that's interesting. I mean, okay, well, I guess I kind of already knew that. I just thought maybe... It was done through the school district because our leagues, I mean, I can't even say that. I, I was about to say that our football leagues were done through the school district, but we would schedule at least two or three out of district games. One of those games I did play Kyler Murray and um, another, you know, the, well, okay, not, not I, I wouldn't say uh, NFL player I played against, but I knew there was an NFL player there and that was Jamal Adams. He went to Hebron High School back in the day in Louisville, Louisville. So, 
he was there and so we would have games like that and then in district games against other middle schools and there are 13 middle schools in our school district so it was pretty structured let's say and it was intense and like you know those first off those off season i can't even say off season those preseason workouts were like tough they're basically a normal like you know practice or three hours and that's even before we got to compete so you had basically two or three weeks of just straight conditioning most no football we just running we got sleds and that's it and in texas in august that's over 100 degree weather pretty much every day and they do that on purpose so they could weed out the uh well not in my words but in their words the mentally weak ones so it sucked and that started in middle school bro and that's not even before we get into the actual season where you know we had a whole period in place of pe just to like you know practice so we would have practices from 2 30 to 5 30 uh every day except for game day obviously and then except for the day after we would only go from 2 30 to 4 30 and then that's how it was and then sometimes during the season i mean well, not sometimes a lot of the time and this was kind of my own fault there would be early morning workouts so the coach would open the gym up at 6 a.m or uh, 7 a.m and then we'd all get in there we'd work out before school after that do our thing at school then go to practice so that was happening during the season and then once that ended basically off-season programs were insane and were even like i even more intense i would say because it wasn't just football anymore it was just straight workouts and everything was football related and so football in texas was literally almost year round at that point and I didn't even cover the off-season programs, which, by the way, they had at the high school so that they could pack as many little middle schoolers in there as possible to get, like, ready. And so, honestly, with all of that, that's pretty close. I'm not going to lie. Like, I probably was doing something football-related more than three hours a day for almost, if I had to estimate, probably around 330 days at least a school year. And that was seventh grade and eighth grade. So... I, mean, I don't know. I don't know if that sounds a lot to you, Cody, but for a middle schooler, that's a lot of work. And like, forget like other sports. Like, you could play other sports and there's similar commitments, but this was the base level for me, you know? I was about to say, that's definitely really different from, from my youth sport experience because I, I never experienced burnout symptoms, I don't want to say, until yeah. I got to the high school level. Like, yeah. And, and I feel like a, a lot of that has to do with coaching too. Like, like we worked hard. Like we, we used to do this conditioning in middle school called winter circle where the last half an hour of practice, like Monday through Thursday was just straight up conditioning. And like, uh. we used to run Hills for every point or score that we allowed. So like we worked hard during the season. And then like, I know that, States have a lot of say as far as like the structure of youth sports and even like high school sports, especially you've probably heard of Chassa, Simon, you know, yeah, yeah. They, they have a lot of rules on when you can meet up and how long you can meet for, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And I'd imagine that that trickled down to like the league level because we would do seven on sevens in the spring. And then we do like a football camp sometime in June slash July that like the coaches themselves ran for like, like the whole league basically, or like any other team that wanted to join in. And then it was just football. So definitely not 330 days a year. Like, you know, I'd be on my off season grind, like jumping rope and stuff like that, but not 
not like weights or anything like that. Like that wasn't asked or expected of us at the middle school level. And part of that I think is because it was a league, but I'd say it was a bit more developmentally appropriate. Shout out to Dr. Stellino <laughs> on that one. Um, no, yeah, I would agree that Oz, the way the way Colorado handles it is pretty much. I would say it's more developmentally appropriate, but at the same time, I mean, like, I'm this isn't shade or anything. Like, I'm I'm just trying to be realistic here. But like, Texas does this so they could you know, prepare their kids for 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 high school football. So it's not something. So there's no adjustment period once they get in. So that realistically, every player that comes through as a freshman could play on varsity right away if needed. So that kind of just like that's at least that's how it was explained to me. So that kind of just raises the potential cap, which yeah, like I don't know. It's I'm not gonna lie, like it's tough, you know, like because oh it wasn't like we had practice every other day. Like middle school, I coached up in Greeley. Like they only had practices maybe two or three times a week, you know, which was kind of weird to me. We had practice every day. That's not even including you know, um, what is it? Uh, our personal workouts that we did on the side as well, either with the school or outside of the school. So yeah, and I so you mentioned seven on seven, and we did seven on seven as well during the spring. So when we weren't working out or doing anything like that, we were we were doing that, or we were studying playbooks and whatnot. And the, this is just a general thing, but all the middle schools, all thirteen, well, okay, not all thirteen, sorry, all four ish middle schools high school because each middle school was like designated for a high school and you can't transfer out of that or you'd be penalized um i know in colorado you could basically transfer wherever almost but in texas it was much stricter uh but basically you know high school was designated for middle schools at least or for middle schools and so those schools would all have the same playbook that the high schools ran that way that everyone already knew the playbooks coming in Sometimes some coaches would use fragments of of the whole playbook rather than the whole one just because it's easier for a middle schooler to understand. But for the most part, it was the same place, just different names. You know, maybe different audibles, but it really was the same thing. So honestly, doing that year round was like tough because it got to the point where like I knew the rewards that I would get if I made it onto a high school squad, got to play varsity because it was pretty well known, at least in Plano, which is a bigger school. Like I said, more of a perennial powerhouse type of school. If you made varsity as a as an underclassman at all, or if you made varsity and started for more than two years or at least two years, you're almost guaranteed to get a football scholarship somewhere. And it doesn't matter where, like you, whether it's D1 or D2 or D3, like you're going to get a scholarship somewhere if you start for the Plano Wildcats or play for the Plano Wildcats. That's just how it is. And that was something that was normal. Honestly, that's something that was normal. Like they consistently send like 10 to 15 dudes to colleges every year. And that was normal. And so I knew that if I could just get onto the high school squad, then and then you know eventually play then basically i have a scholarship waiting for me i have free education waiting for me and i got all the perks of college waiting for me and as someone who was an immigrant a first generation american and hasn't had family members that went to college that meant everything to me which was honestly the only thing that really drove me and i reached certain points of like burnout if i'm just being honest and that was like 
looking way into the future. So I can't even imagine like for a not a worse program, but a smaller program where those odds aren't as great and just like trying to grind it out because that I would hate that, honestly. So so from what I'm hearing, the beginning of your experience had a lot to do with probably overtraining with with working basically around 330 days a year and even overstressing, you know, because looking into the future and feeling like, you know, this is my chance, this is my best shot is to try and get a scholarship through football obviously puts a lot more pressure, especially on you're, you're talking seventh and eighth grade. Like that's a lot of weight for a child to be carrying. Yeah, no, it is. And like, if I'm just being honest, you know, like uh, the culture of my football team, my teammates and my coaching staff was super supportive. Everyone supported each other. Everyone respected the grind. Everyone was putting in their work. There was nobody that was like noticeably like slacking or like wasn't taking it as seriously. And if there were, then they were considered clowns and considered outcasts. Like it was, uh, it was abnormal for somebody to not care this much about football and to not know the stakes. Because honestly, if you didn't care that much, as far as we were concerned, you you weren't part of the squad because you weren't one of us. So, like took me wasn't here how should i say this wasn't like community around me at all that like burnt me out it was just the regimen of it all you know because if anything i love my teammates i love my coaches and i love my community you know it was great like it was great knowing that like hey Oh, I live right across the street from this huge football stadium which is twice as big as UNC stadium it could hold almost oh my gosh it it was over 15,000 for sure. Press boxes were nice every Friday night. I could hear the band. I could hear the crowd. Like it was crazy. And it was great to know that like, yo, I have the opportunity to be a part of a fantastic culture, a fantastic tradition that hundreds and thousands of football players in the years before me have done. So me and to everyone else, it was an honor. Uh, don't get it twisted the hard work was definitely a burden and there are times where i was pulling like a sled with like 100 150 pounds on it you know and it'd be like chains around you in 100 degree weather and be like dang bro like, like i could be chilling right now or i could be at the pool with my girl right now but instead i'm pulling a sled 100 of whole football field you know would would you call because you said you know if if some people were on the team but not about the grind then then they weren't your teammates or whatever but with as much pressure as there was would you say that that might be a toxic environment to just be aiming for elitism basically at the athletic level yeah it could be viewed as a toxic environment for sure you know i'm not gonna lie like if you were put in any other environment or here, actually here, let me, let me backtrack a little bit. If you were that kid who didn't care as much, you weren't going to play football for us. Oh, and that's just, I think that's just the culture that the, our coaches put in place as well. You know, and I had two different head coaches in middle school and they both had the same attitude towards it. Like, yo, look, like it was, it was kind of weird because it was definitely like, yeah, you know, we're the Carpenter Cowboys. Oops, name drop. But yeah, we were the Carpenter Cowboys you play for the cowboys the the team you know the blue and white but at the same time you're putting in this work so you could provide and be the best for the plane of wildcats which is the ultimate goal and so 
there's always kind of a bigger picture and if you were somebody who didn't buy into that bigger picture and i mean look like in the nicest way possible or at least for me you know talking to other people in the nicest way possible like it was like well what are you doing here like oh play an instrument or go do art or go game or do something that you actually want to do go make some money you know because this is something that's not built for everyone and they were pretty good at saying that you know like like without being super toxic so if i'm just being honest if people weren't about the grind then they just weren't on the team most of the time like, there's definitely like, every i would say every season there are at least 15 to 25 kids who left of that and that's fine we all respected them we all still hung out with them we just weren't on the squad yeah and, and we had some of that in middle school but it wasn't I, i'm not really sure exactly what the causes were but i don't know it was like kind of a big deal whenever a kid was stepping away like they would tell the entire team and i don't know if that's just something that like maybe my coaches did or instilled but they <clears throat> like the players themselves would basically like announce their retirement as like middle schoolers, which is kind of insane to me thinking back on it now with yeah. <laughs> like, you know, and, and that might, might, might've been the grind that might've been the conditioning or whatever, but you know, it's just kind of crazy to think about thinking back on middle school. But I, I what I do want to get to, unless you have more to say about middle school is, you say like that was the beginning of your burnout. What was the progression of your burnout and where did it actually like kind of finish your youth sport career? Yeah, so like I said, in middle school, like there are definitely symptoms of burnout, but because of the community, uh, historical tradition we had, my player, my boys, you know, from the hood and all that, our coaches, I never seriously took i never seriously considered like quitting that was out of the question for me like yeah obviously there were great things but in my mind if i quit i was letting down my hood i was letting down my teammates i was letting down the coaches who's done a lot for me and was football still fun yes it was <laughs> oh yeah like dude like honestly like there's nothing like putting in so much work and knowing that you're playing against other dudes who put in the same amount of work maybe even more and then beating them down and like playing in huge stadiums and having a roaring crowd and having marching bands and having chants and pep rallies like it was football culture in texas is insane like it definitely <laughs> there's definitely a little bit of a hollywood type of aspect to it you know because it definitely builds up middle schoolers a lot oh and or you know just football players a lot and it's insane i would honestly say i would honestly say like I, like like the serious burnout symptoms started when I moved to Colorado. Cause right off the bat, name drop it doesn't matter. Cause none of them are there anymore. And Cody, you you've played against this high school too, so you know what they're about. I went to Doherty High School down in Colorado Springs, <laughs> and um, yeah, Doherty is nothing and will probably never be anything compared to what Plano is right now. They don't have any state championships, which I thought was weird. The only, honestly, the only Colorado Springs school that has a state championship in football, I think might be Palmer. And that was like the fifties. They're far from that. So there is no such tradition like that at all. Um, here one sec. In terms of the community. <laughs> 
I've, I've talked about the community in terms of the community like at not just at Doherty but Colorado Springs in general it was not it was not something honestly that I could relate to as a person of color and as the son of immigrants and here's why because back in Texas back in Texas my squad was mostly Latinos Mexicans and like black dudes and i was like the one asian guy like there were probably as many asian dudes as there were white kids which was what the exact number was two to be exact so there you go so but even then like i still had a lot culturally to relate to to those kids and going to basically an almost all white school like doherty and seeing like how they run their stuff and so because they're first off they're not as serious off there's already that cultural you know um what's the word uh, yeah that cultural difference a pretty significant one at that but i just didn't like the coaches there i i'm just being honest there are coaches that never in their lives would understand what it's like to be the son of an immigrant a person of color and they're privileged to say the least i know that for a fact they're privileged and i wasn't i was underprivileged for sure so all of those things kind of just in general made me feel like I was on my own as is then actually going and like working out with them like there are kids who are met like like I know you know in Texas like teams aren't perfect and they're not there are some kids who messed around but it was abnormal for a team to be messing around for more than a day or two and for the coaches to not bring down the hammer because I could tell you there are weeks on then where, you know, the coaching staff at the new school I was at would basically let their kids do almost anything. They would know about some of these things and they wouldn't hold them accountable. And to me, it came off as laziness. It came off as, like I said, I'm trying to be as nice as possible, but you got to be real. I'm being realistic with my experiences. It just came off as like they don't care about football and they don't care about competition. They don't care about like having pride in being a good person on and off the field like that you know what i mean and for me it was just like all right well i'm putting in everything i can as you know as a linebacker safety whatever but the 10 other dudes on this team or on the starting lineup ain't putting in as much as i am and it's obvious because i've given them almost months of chances and they continue to make the same stupid mistakes at in texas our sixth graders would make that aren't even on a team and they don't get punished for it for me that was that like kind of i was already jarring enough because it was like all right well i'm basically doing everything i can but we still taking l's we're not winning as cleanly as we should and for me from for somebody who is kind of naturally a perfectionist too like that just didn't that just didn't resonate well with me because i basically just saw everyone else or mostly everyone else i won't say everyone but mostly everyone else as lazy and I, I like why should I care about a sport if they were you know, and that was my mindset as a as a freshman at the new school like these kids weren't taking it as serious so why should I care about what about their team because it's not my team but about their team their culture and their community because that's nothing that has helped me out at all ever and that's still the fact today you know? and so it was just I don't know it was just frustrating you know to say the least we'd win a solid amount of games my freshman year but it was frustrating to say the least and you know there are coaches who 
I'm not going to lie. Like, I definitely probably knew more than as a freshman, you know, because I've had, you know, my share of guys that I've had to plan for, like a Kyler Murray, like a Rex Burkhead and Eno Benjamin. Um, even just going down the list of guys that, like, I've talked to before as well and mentored, like, you know, a Justin Blaylock, a 10-year starter for the Atlanta Falcons as a guard. Charlie Pepper, a Super Bowl winner on the safe as a safety for the Green Bay Packers. Keenan Robinson, linebacker for the Giants and Redskins. So I, I've had that knowledge. I've had that knowledge. It's frustrating to, like, feel like I was going to a school and a team and feeling like I downgraded almost four or five grade levels, it felt. Because, I, I don't know, and like I wasn't trying to be pushy or anything, but there were definitely calls that I was like, wow, that's the stupid, like, that does not make any sense to call a prevent defense on third and five, you know, for example. It doesn't make any sense to blitz when they've been known to catch us off guard with the screen like five or six straight times, you know, like it's stuff like that, that like just frustrated me. And, you know, there are coaches that definitely talked down to me that definitely, like, said unnecessary things about me, like calling me an idiot, saying, like, I I'm not going to go as far as racial slurs, but saying other slurs that aren't appropriate at all uh, concerning my intelligence, you know, in general. And, you know, like, Cody, you know me. Like, in general, I'm a pretty quiet guy, I would say. I would be a little bit more introverted. And as a new kid on a football team, I knew my place. So I wasn't saying a lot to start. They were the one initiating it like there. And, you know, there are times where like I've even had coaches like give me the wrong plays on purpose. And I know this because I would overhear their conversations like, walking by their offices, you know, and just so that, you know, I they have an excuse to not play me you know, as a varsity player or as a JV kid. And it was frustrating. And so all of that put together along with my family situation, like my dad getting sick and having cancer and, you know, just jobs being a tough thing and financially, like, just not being in a good spot, it kind of just weighed on me. And, like, I honestly, if I had a good community and if I had good coaches, like, I wouldn't have quit. But definitely pushed me towards the edge multiple times, like, at least 10 or 15 times in one season than I've ever felt as, you know, as a middle schooler. I was pretty harsh i'm not gonna lie i'm sorry but i mean i'm just keeping it real you know no and and you you have to be honest with it and with the experience you know because as cruddy as it is you know doherty high school isn't the only you know school of that's guilty of causing burnout you know like this is happening to people across the nation and a lot of people don't know about it and they don't know what they're doing either. You know, like, you know, some coaches definitely do try and push kids off the team, but you know, a lot of coaches just think that being mean and like, just being like derogatory towards kids is the way to coach. And, you know, we've, you know, going, going through education, especially through coaching, like, you find out that that's not the way to do it, you know, yeah. and that other coaching factors climb into it. Now, that doesn't mean don't be stern, right? That doesn't mean don't correct players for mistakes that they make or don't point them out. But using saying things like idiot or, you know, even sayings like pull your out of your butt, you know, like pull your head out of your yeah. butt, like, but not with those words, you know, because football coach football is where I first like cursed, like. I'm not even going to lie. That's the first place I, I cursed. 
because because my coach was like, yeah, you can curse, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna do it. Like, really? you know, so you know, football Dang. culture is different in that sense of just like being like quote tough and stuff. But you know, Simon, just like listening to your story, you know, as far as like m- motivations to play sports, right? Is like like the three needs are competence, autonomy, and relatedness, right? So you didn't have any relatedness being a new kid in a different place. Right. And they didn't make you feel welcome either. You know, like they didn't go out of their way to address, you know, okay, listen, we know that there's not a lot of representation here, but you're still welcome here. You know, like that's something that a coach has to do in, in certain situations is to clarify that football is for everyone, regardless of, skin tone or race or anything like that. And they didn't do that. Right. And then calling you stupid or making you run in the wrong plays is, is like an attack on your competence. Right. Cause I mean, think about it. If think about like everyday hobbies, right. You're not going to go to, you know, like hang out at a restaurant if you're by yourself and all the strangers there are making fun of you. Right. Yeah. Like that, and and it just it doesn't make any sense there. So why should it make sense in youth sport to do the same thing? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, honestly, youth sports like it should be held to a little bit of a higher standard because you are handling um, you're, you're handling children and teenagers. You know, like kids, people who are you know definitely more impressionable, developing you know how they see things. So. It definitely, you know, it, it resonates a little bit more with a kid than it would with an adult, obviously, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I hear you on that. And, um, you know, I feel like a lot of a lot of coaches at, like, the high school level, maybe, maybe it's just here in Colorado, but just from talking to you, knowing my high school experience, and also listening to Jesse talk about his high school experiences, a lot of coaches are kind of self-involved, you know? Like... Yeah. It's, it's like an ego trip for high school coaches. Like, yeah, like we won the con, like I won the conference, you know, stuff like that. A lot, a lot of I, a lot of me and stuff like that. And as a coach, that's not what it's about, right? Like, yeah. you, like you said, you're working with very impressionable kids. And if you don't understand how they think or operate, then you're honestly not qualified for that job. As, and especially if, you know, there's other incentives going on, like, uh, I didn't get fully burnt out, right? But, you know, I definitely had thoughts about it heading into my senior year of football where, yeah, and, and I'll even say this for the first four years is my family couldn't afford to do the summer camps, right? Uh, yeah, I get and, that. And like you said earlier, what, granted it was your middle school, but that puts you at a disadvantage to the other kids that are there, right? So I have to work on my own time, but the coaches kind of see, they have to see it to believe it, right? So it's like, what have you been doing? Oh, I've been working on my own time. And they they take it with a grain of salt, whether that's because you're a kid or whatever is something else. But oh, yeah. th- then, then it gets to the field and it's like, oh, okay. Keeping pace or exceeding the others, you know? And, and like, so I mean, you know, the grind is like a shorter football player. And I wasn't very big in high school. I weighed 135 pounds basically throughout all of high school football. Like, yeah, yeah, I get that. And, you know, 
at the high school level, you want to compete. A lot of people will just jump straight to size. And there are some underclassmen that they initially put ahead of me, even though I'd been doing what I've been, I've been doing the same thing and was reliable for so many years for them for three years to be exact. And then they resorted to me when they were dropping balls, running in the wrong plays. And it took like a lot of mistakes for them for me to go in and just play football. And so that drove me nuts. It's just like, like I'd stay after practice and I'd be running around the track after doing a whole two and a half hour practice ending on conditioning. I'd stay in condition longer just cause you know, I, I thought it was me, but then when it came to it, like, you know, actually displaying skills and such like that, I, I realized there wasn't a huge gap, you know, if any gap at all. And I had been outworking these guys. But whether it was, and then the coach at the end of the year was like, basically, so they gave me like some reward that was about like working hard. First off, they spelled, they put the wrong name on it. So like, <laughs> what? what? They, they spelled my name like K-O-D-Y. Oh, okay. So, so it was still your name, just spelled, misspelled. Yeah. Which is like, okay. bro, I've been at the program for four years. So like it, that yeah. felt pretty disingenuine. And then basically the coach was like, yeah, it was my idea to like put a fire underneath his butt so that, you know, he could really help us in this, you know, he could really help us later. I was like, no, no, it wasn't. You, you went to me because you literally had no other choice. So for you to try and spin it as your idea, like there's just a lot of ego for the head coach where I played high school at. So, yeah. you know, and that definitely weighed on me. It's just like, what the heck, you know? And it, it, you know, for me, it was like kind of like an autonomy thing just because I didn't feel like I had a lot of control over what I was doing, you know, like a, a lot of the things that they say is like, you know, how hard you work influences your playing time. And you've heard that too. And it's like, okay, I'm working harder than everyone else. And I'm not, I'm not bad. You know, I'm not, you know, as you said, or not to throw shade, but I'm not one of the clowns that came out here. It was like, yeah, football would be cool. Like, no, I've been doing this and I'm, and I'm about it. Oh, for so real? like what, what is happening? Like the, it feels hopeless. And it's like, why would I do that? You know? So it was kind of nice when my senior season was finally over, not going to lie, just to be out of that kind of guck. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. I, I totally get it. Honestly, I think you and me could agree that adults are the... I would honestly say that they're the main ones making youth sports or sports in general toxic. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, even if there's like other kids that are saying something... Where do they learn it from? No, exactly. And I mean, it says what an adult does says more to a kid than what they what what they say exactly. You know, that is something that I as a PE uh, sorry, I as a PE teacher has learned a lot. You know, and as a coach, I've learned that as um, as something that's very true. Just because you know, words is one thing, but actions is another. No, I get that. As a coach, you can't tell a kid, yeah, if you work hard, you get your time and then not give them their time. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, look, I was a shorter football player too. I wasn't I wasn't as small as you though. Like I was 5'7 since it's my seventh grade year. You know, but I never really had problem putting on muscle, putting on weight. So I've like always been, look, 
mean, at least in Texas, I was looked down upon because, you know, I wasn't tall. I wasn't like 6'1 or 6'2 as a middle schooler, which already as is, is kind of freakish. And it took me moving to Colorado to realize that that's kind of abnormal. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> like not going to lie, I was like, dang, bro, how come everyone's growing faster than me? And again, I didn't grow again. So <laughs> but anyways, oh my um, it was like tough, you know, like being a five, seven linebacker going up against like a six, two left tackle who has a way longer reach than me, who well, may, might not be stronger, but, you know, still has a bigger reach and knows how to use their size, you know, pause. That's a grind. When in Texas, I got rewarded for putting on weight, at least, and working with my height. Because you know? I was always kind of a bigger guy, but I needed to turn that into muscle. And so, in Texas, I, I know Colorado doesn't do this because, Cody, you just said that you couldn't afford some of the football camps. But we had summer off-season camps, which is basically from, you know, June slash early May. Or, sorry, late May to, like, August. Basically, just, like, off-season training whether it's football stuff whether it's workouts stuff like that mostly you know and it would be a good three hours two hour session i would say and those so you had to pay for those generally but always made exceptions for kids who had free or reduced lunch or who they knew was going through stuff and there was no questions asked and there were, i would say there are definitely hundreds of kids that was the deal and i was one of them when my middle school was always like if you're from Dallas, if you're from Plano, at least, you know that Carpenter Middle School is considered the ghetto school. Stabbings happen there, gang violence, stuff like that. It's it's a normal thing, you know? It's a normal thing. And so it was not out of the ordinary for, like, all of the guys, like, all 15 or 20 guys that can go that didn't have to work, you know, um, to be on, basically, a scholarship and put on weight and stuff. So at that point, basically, coaches were like, all right, well, then, you know, you don't have an excuse now you have these off-season programs. You have access to a whole, you know, high Texas high school weight room, which is as is probably in my opinion. Like I think you've seen the UNC weight room, right, Cody, for athletes? Yes, I have. Yeah. So mine was basically like, well, not mine, but in Plano, it was basically like, how should I say this? There are three indoor turf football fields, and then spanning that from like sideline to sideline to sideline that was how big our weight room was and it was basically just this huge weight warehouse so our weight room was maybe three or four times bigger than unc's honestly probably maybe closer to cu's weight room or csu's being straight up so they gave us the resources where we could work and then when the time came they rewarded us for it. they gave us playing time stuff like that you would never find a you usually never found a coach that would be like all right well I know you worked super hard and you put on 30 pounds of weight and not play you like at least three or four drives. You know, it's kind of a lot. And that was the same at high school as well. And I came to Colorado and like I said, it's just a different sports culture. They're not as crazy about football. But I remember specifically, there's another dude playing safety who was literally my height. He was five, seven as well. He was a junior in high school. I was a freshman um and then you know I, I would say like i knew all of the plays the same as him and you know they said you know the reason that they weren't playing me as much was just because i wasn't super big which was all right sure coach whatever so definitely made a point of like working out putting in the work and i got up to at least 
let's say like athletically like cut wise i got to at least 220 maybe closer to 225 as a safety as a running back and they still didn't give me the playing time even though i weighed i weighed darn near almost 30 pounds more than this other dude who had three years of high school experience getting to the weight he was at and it was frustrating and honestly all of that kind of just like i i get what you were saying like just got to the point where it was like well why am i doing all of this if you're not gonna be true to your word you know what i mean yeah yeah and and it's just it, it feels like really pointless and it's just it's stupid i feel like it's kind of po- political you know because even, even jesse talked about it you know there is like a coach's son thing that where jesse wouldn't get more reps at a certain position and it's like well i don't think first off correct me if i'm wrong simon but if the coach's son is playing in texas they're probably the best player on the team because they've been crazy for a while um actually honestly i've seen more coaches in texas bench their son and make their son a second or third string because they're just not as good if i'm being honest like they're good but they're not like you know for our team standard starter good or star good I've it was common in Texas to see, at least in my opinion, to see you know dads that were tougher on their kids and you know, wouldn't give them a spot just because well you know for a lot of reasons just honestly it boils down to talent they just weren't more talented you know. See, and I don't even think that, at least in my experience in sport, that we have that kind of integrity amongst coaches in youth sport in Colorado. Oof. That's yeah. I mean, I've seen it too. Cause <laughs> ironically, at Dort, while I was at Doherty, I also like did training sessions with uh, the middle schoolers, the eighth graders who were coming up, just because I was close friends with um, with their family members, you know. And I specifically remember this one kid happened. Like they weren't even related, but the head coach of the of the high school was the godfather of this kid and he gave him the starting spot on varsity as a running back like week one they had a guy which was here you're gonna you're gonna cringe at this they had a guy um we called him kwan who had had interest and looks from pac-12 schools sec schools like before you know he got benched for that bogus reason he was getting looks from oregon he was getting looks from bama from lsu and what's crazy is that, you know, he probably wasn't going to get a full-time scholarship, but he would have gotten a partial or, you know, a preferred walk-on, which is still really good for those schools, you know. But it was his senior year, and the guy decided to play his freshman godson over him after one, like, minor ankle injury. And basically, my boy Quan played one game, and then he got that ankle injury. And after that... Um, I mean, they were already sharing carries, so it was what it was. But after that, basically, that kid took over, and he did not see the field again, and all his college offers and interests went away. And he ended up not going to college. He didn't even end up going to community college. And I'm, I'm not going to lie, like, dude definitely suffered from you know, a little bit of uh, of depression from just being so lost. And, like, I look, I don't care about exposing them. It was something that happened. And if you ask anybody on the team, you know, it, it happened. And... That's just one example of, you know, of another example of adults, you know, creating toxic sports environments. 
So I guess, what do you think has to be done to try and prevent toxic environments or to try and reduce burnout in youth sport? So there's a couple of different directions this could take. If you're a parent of an athlete, it's generally suggested that you get your kid into more than one sport. Because if they're doing football year round, like that sucks. Nobody wants to do that. Even if they're doing two sports year round, like especially if they're a kid that, you know, has tougher time with, you know, paying attention to things for super long periods of time. I would say even do three sports. So like, you know, basketball, football, track, you go. And that way you're not working on for something you're uh, sorry you're not working on something for too long you're still kind of working on those skills you know what i mean yeah definitely and there's there's a ton of benefits you know physically emotionally and psychologically to being a multi-sport athlete in youth sport yeah i mean absolutely like you know there's just different cultures that you're exposed to you know different teammates you're exposed to and there's so much more that you could learn because it's not the same old thing that you're doing no it's it's different and you know having a change of perspective sometimes a change of change of scenery could do wonders for an athlete's mental health and you know when their main sport comes around maybe they're a little bit more focused because it's like all right you know i wasn't exposed to this sport like year round i only have this sport for two or three months and that's it so let's go to work and let's go all in, you know? So like that, that's just one way, in my opinion. Uh, well, what about you? Well, is there another way in your opinion that toxic environments, burnouts can be prevented? Well, I think it comes down to, especially at the high school level, is holding coaches accountable and making sure that, you know, they belong where they are, right? Like there's no national like coaching certification thing that is like required to be a coach. Like in other countries, uh, especially over in Europe, you have to have like a certificate that you took like a course on coaching or something like that to even apply as a coach, right? And yeah. we just, we flat out don't have that here in the United States. Uh, no, for sure. I mean, honestly, any parent could become a coach that's that's the problem you know because and should i say this you have somebody who doesn't have a ton of experience as a coach stuff you can't blame them for not having that experience it wasn't something that they're originally into uh, they gotta put in the work to make up for that you know, to do the right thing to be disciplined not just as a parent but as a coach you know to have the guts to hey kiddo like to your own kid be like hey kiddo like i'm sorry but homie over here has just been working harder than you or they just have this edge and so we'll get you in but for the bet for the good of the team this is what we got to do and you know you got to think about as a coach you got to think about what's best for the team and what's best for your players because you wouldn't have a job without either of those so yeah and i think that another problem that we have is just like I mean, a lot of coaching, especially, especially at the youth sport level is volunteer. Like, yes. you know, the, there's not like a financial incentive to put in. I mean, say you have practice five days a week for two, two hours, you know, just lowballing it, not even including travel time. And then game day, you know, that's like five or six hours of your day. 
So you're putting in like 16 hours of work a week, not even including travel. So if you include travel afterwards, like 20 hours a week and you're not getting paid for it, you know, and then you have to pay out of pocket to learn or to get a cert certification in coaching. There's just, you know, there's not a lot of money there. And so that's why parents end up coaching. And that's why inexperienced people step into roles that, you know, quite frankly, they don't have a lot of business in being in. You know, it's just because there's not the resources to get someone who is qualified to do it. Yeah, and that's fair enough. Like, I get that. Oh, and I, I mean, you know, like, I, I definitely get that. I understand that each coach can't be perfect and they sometimes don't have the time to do the research and whatnot. That's, you know, that's definitely a real problem, especially, you know, in a, in a country where it's highly populated, obviously. So that means naturally you have a ton of different teams, leagues, sports, athletes, and whatnot. So it's hard. You know, it's a, if you're not at a place that values that sport specifically to, you know, find quality coaches. But like I said, you know, you could still do the research. You could do what you can do to get better as a coach, honestly. And I mean, look, you don't just hit a point where you're like, all right, well, I don't, I need to stop going. Like I can't get any better. No, like this is just like literally anything else in life. Like it's something that you got to continue to work at. You got to continue to, to learn. And this is kind of a little transition, but another way that you could like prevent burnout in toxic environments is by having a good learning environment and team culture that is very accepting of, you know, people who just want to learn the sport and just want to get better and just want to progress because a winning centric team is almost never going to be yes, super successful all the time because there's just so much pressure with that. And, you know, with winning and games and stuff, like, that's not exactly something you could handle. But you could always handle yourself. You could always handle your own learning. And to a degree, you could handle other people's learning as well. So establishing that kind of culture, culture of learning, a culture of progression, you know, an emphasis on that is important, in my opinion, and could definitely take out a lot of pressures that result into burnouts. I, I completely agree. And that's actually one of the pillars of my coaching philosophy. And the biggest part of my coaching philosophy is, you know, I want to help athletes be better people, right? Because there's a lot of lessons that you can learn through sport that you can apply to real life. That's a huge appeal for getting your kids into sport at young ages, you know, is that it, it's supposed to help them develop. And like you said, progress. And, you know, it's not it, like if they find ways to improve and work hard on the sports field, there's also similar ways that they can work hard or improve off the field too. So there's just a lot of opportunities with that. And I completely agree that, that the focus has a lot to do with it, you know, because you, you really can't control winning all the time. Like that, as far as like, you could try your best and still lose, you know, as a team, like it's completely possible, right? Sometimes the other team is just flat out better. And so if you put an emphasis on winning, then that also creates like, you know, like you said, like a toxic environment and uh, an environment that's conducive to burnout. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, like, 
that's that's something that a lot of coaches i feel like don't really talk about a lot honestly like they don't talk about how you could work super like in anything in life you could still work super hard and put everything you got in it and you will still fail because that's life you know like uh <laughs> oh my gosh have you ever seen the show friday night lights cody no oof okay I'm gonna spoil it slightly. It's a great show. Honestly, it's a great show that you know everyone should check out. But anyways, there's this little line that one of the coaches says during like a state championship game about how like you know how every man's gonna be in a battle and they're gonna try their hardest and they're gonna do everything they can and they still they're still gonna lose. They can't do anything about it. But you know what makes them uh makes them a person of success is you know staying true to yourself throughout all of that. And, you know, it's very easy as a coach and as an athlete to definitely lose yourself and do things very out of character that you would not be proud of if you were in any other situation, honestly. So that is something like for me, that's part of my coaching philosophy, like helping kids accept like, look, it's okay to fail because honestly, you could fail doing anything. You could fail working as hard as you can to fail not working as hard as you can and like sometimes even with success sometimes well no not actually hold on, let me backtrack with success like the only way that i guess you could get it is by working hard and by continuously improving so you can't just randomly jump into success at least consistently unless you're privileged that that's a whole nother thing though which we already talked about so there you go mm -hmm. but um well, not yeah y'all did yeah well you know you know how it is um, yeah. yeah no for sure um was there any is there another way that burnouts could be prevented i feel like we went over a lot of them i mean yeah, i mean just honestly, taking away pressures honestly like taking away pressures and then just like trying to be a good person to the kids like <laughs> you know like just just be a good person you know if you I, I'm not going to say if you wouldn't do it to your kids, don't do it to other people's kids. Cause some people do berate and yell at their kids like that. But like, you mm. know, like, like, yes, they're kids and you know, it's a bit harder to get their attention, but you, you know, you, you got to show some respect just as like from a human, human being perspective. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it just comes back to the whole, whole idea that kids, you know, they, They'll, they'll copy what you do like your actions rather than do what you say you know like actions are louder than words absolutely so, i mean yeah. it's kind of like a monkey see monkey do kind of thing especially as because i mean we talked about middle school and high school but you know youth sports especially at the elementary school level like Kind of like Friday Night Tykes, you know. There's so, there's yeah. definitely some stuff that isn't uh, developmentally appropriate happening on there, and you know, like, bro, I'm not even gonna lie. Like, maybe maybe it's just like a difference of culture, you know. So like, maybe if I was raised in Texas, it'd be a bit different. But like, bro, if I was going through that when I was in like second grade, I probably wouldn't would have just stopped playing football. Like, yeah, that's yo, fair. I, I, like a problem is like holding kids to like the same expectations as adults is is a huge problem in youth sport and and that's from parents too like 
kids are going to make more mistakes than professional athletes. That that's a fact. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And uh, going to that Friday night text comment, like, yeah, I, I mean, I totally get it. You know, um, I think another thing that's a really important to keep in mind, though, is that, you know, you could your kid could burn out from playing a sport because it's too easy or it's something that's just not challenging enough for them. It's definitely possible because it's like, what, what am I doing here? Like, I'm wasting my time. You know, if I could just do whatever I want and there's no actual like feeling of accomplishment, you know, and that's a slippery slope because as an adult, sometimes you can't tell uh, your kids is feeling when it comes to that. But I mean, that's kind of where like leagues like in Friday Night Tykes Typha come in. You know, the uh, the board members say this, at least Kenny Long said this, at least, you know, the league was built so that it could challenge kids, get them in a competitive environment that, you know, pushes them to be better and pushes them to be great whatnot and so some kids sometimes just need that they need a challenge because it gets boring dominating your same you know, local ymca team like it gets to the point where you ask yourself or as an athlete you ask yourself well this sucks like what am, what now like well is that is this all there is to the sport like am i never gonna get a real challenge then when they do get a real challenge they could burn out as well because they were not you know or babied basically their whole life so I'm just throwing out, you know, that perspective as well. Yeah, and, and there's definitely room for, like, elite competition, I think. And I'm pretty sure you said that'll be, like, another conversation is stuff like IMG Academy and stuff like that. And, you know, there, there's room for that. But at the same time, it's it's still okay to be a good person in those environments, you know? Oh, yeah, you should still be a good person. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah, but it's easy. Well, oh no, hold on. It's not easy to be a good person. It's not like you know. It's something that you gotta pay a ton of money for or whatnot. You just do it. You know? <laughs> it it's comes down to discipline. This just in from Simon Villano's six twenty three twenty twenty. It's free to be a good person. You might need to tell someone in in your family or someone that you know that. But wise words from Simon. It's free. It's free to be a good person. <laughs> yes. Well, it is, you know. But what's crazy is that people still want to do whatever they want and then be selfish and be egomaniacs and not like all of that toxic stuff that makes up burnout toxic sports environments, you know. Which is which is kind of insane because I feel like by now people would know, but it is what it is. Like, like not to get it twisted, like there's a difference between being a good or uh sorry there's a difference between being a good person who's strict and being a jerk who wants to act you know because there are definitely kids out there that need a little bit of uh a little bit of attitude a little bit of you know some some pushing for them to to get you know to get back on track and be the best person they could be they're honestly just kids that respond to that tough love you know but when you do that, you got to make sure that your that first off, your heart's right, your personality's right, and you're doing it for the right reasons. You know, like you should never do something because you know that it'll intentionally like hurt a kid, and that will motivate them. You know. Yeah, and I, that like false narrative is a huge part of burnout too. You know, 
Uh, like like we've talked about, but uh, no, for sure. And honestly, being like somebody who gives tough love, but is still like, um, what's the word? Like they're coaching and teaching developmentally appropriately. That's hard to do. Because that, I mean, if you're one of those types of people, you're basically just walking up real thin line you know and chances are if you're not careful most of the time you're probably gonna be on the wrong side of that line on the wrong side of history and stuff like that and i cross the line and do some damage to a kid's psyche or you know emotional health that's never that's never a good thing you know i was honestly lucky to have a coach in at least my eighth grade year in middle school shout out to coach sterling over for the cowboys he's still over there after all these years uh, but you know still getting dubs as always Shout out to him he was someone who was tough you know and and i'll always believe this he was tough on us he was tough on us because he knew what kind of kids we were he knew the backgrounds the uh the you know the culture that we all represented you know a lot of us were first generation americans some of our parents you know they i'm just gonna say that not my parents but some of the parents on my squad, they immigrated illegally, you know, and their kids ended up being DACA kids years later and all these other stuff happened. And you know, he coached us in a way that would not only make us mentally tough for the football field, which is, you know, being mentally tough for a game can honestly be really easy to do, but being mentally tough in life, you know, being the type of person that could bounce back, that could, you know, not, could bend, not break of people you know the type of person that other people rely on to be that rock and to be you know a center of stability so i mean i can honestly say like now from that middle school squad not all of us made the right decisions but there's no doubt that no matter what we're still like i would say like tough people people who could you know take the tougher things of life make the best out of it even if it's not perfect sometimes and you know in life no nothing's going to be perfect Barely anything's going to be perfect. So I just went on a whole rant. The inner coach in me came out a little bit, but I, I felt like it needed to be said. Hey, it's important for the perspective. So yeah, for sure. All right. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add before we close this up? I don't think so. You know, we kind of started with like the education part and then and the story part, you know, it's just being aware and just, you know, whoever's listening to this, tell, tell your friends and, you know, burnout also exists for like other things too. You know, like we talk sports here, but like if you have a child that's into music and you start like berating them into practicing like eight hours a day, like they're, they'll probably stop enjoying it. Like, so, you know, just yeah. carry, carry that same, be a good person attitude towards anything. And, you know, it's really important. This whole youth sports series, I'm, really proud of Simon for coming up with it and bringing it to attention because, you know, th this is the future that we're talking about. And I think sports help us become better people. And, you know, learning about these topics are going to help not only the kids' future and young athletes' future, but the just the future of the world in general. So yeah, appreciate that, bud. <laughs> appreciate that. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the only thing else I could add is that, you know, if you're, if you're a parent or a guardian who's super into sports, 
know, it's okay if your kid wants to do something else. I feel like I need to say that one more time. It's okay if your kid wants to do something else. And sports is more of something where they just stay in shape. Because, I mean, like, you know, like, like you said, it could be any topic where they could, you know, burn out on. But, you know, having a variety of things, especially for kids to do, you know, just having more learning experiences is important. Uh, you'd rather have renaissance men or, or not men not just men you'd rather have renaissance people like people who could do it all and people who could specialize in one thing at, in a snap go away it won't matter you know like you got to be someone who's well-rounded so i mean that's just something i got put out there because i know my middle middle school coach he had like maybe 10 or 15 of us who were part of band choir orchestra i was one of those kids and whenever we had like after school practices or like individual like stuff that we had to work on with our music teachers, he would literally let us like, so we, he we would suit up for practice. And once that final bell rings, um, signaling the end of school and whatnot, we were still practicing. He would let us go back into the school, do what we need to do for an hour and then come back to practice. No questions asked. As long as we're doing great. Or, you know, as long as we're happy and we're doing our thing, like, that's fine. No questions asked. He will come to the competitions and, you know, will will support us. And sometimes that's all a kid needs, you know, just to support them, not just in sports, but in all things in life. So just keep that in mind. I'm huh. saying that as a teacher as well. Good advice. Because I didn't have a personality outside of sports till like, seventh grade. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, no kidding. Like, bro, I'd be, like, reading, like, like stat books in like second grade from the school library like oh this is the all-time leader in touchdown passes and <laughs> stuff like that so yeah let your, let your kids uh grow and develop so they're not a one-trick pony yeah yeah i mean and that's okay too like if they want to be you know all about that stuff like it's cool you know but it, it's never a bad thing to push them to try other things music art socializing i yeah yeah and anyway, i won't go too deep into that you know what i mean but yeah. anyways that is the end of this episode of our youth sports mini series a dive into youth sports uh yeah so look out for future episodes we're gonna have many more perspectives on especially female perspectives to talk about their experiences in youth sports um and then you know we're going to touch on more more topics concerning youth sports as well so yeah i am one of your co-hosts simon Voyanos, and i am a humbled guest on this mini series cody stoffer <laughs> and uh make sure you check out our normal episodes as well show us some love on social media follow us do all that stuff find us at the cycle 365 on instagram facebook and twitter in addition to spotify apple podcast and google podcast and yeah, peace. <laughs>